I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed. I said give me a hell yeah! Hey, this is Zeta Zane. Hey, everyone. This is Jeff Cobb. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. Talent is not sexually transmitted. Hey, this is TJP, the Phil and Flash, and you are listening to Stan, Ro, Chino, and Camos on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. That's right, I'm back. Stan C, Romara, and Raf Camus, and Chino Liao all together again here at the Podcast Network Asia Studios. You pala hindi mo ginawa, Chino. Yung applause ang pisa. Well, we uh, clapped for ourselves. Okay. So, we did not. We did no, we we did no such no, thing. No, we don't. Ah, you guys, self-destructing just because I'm gone. Uh, yeah. uh, is that oh, yes, the No, but to be fair, all our sound effects were on point. Yes, 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 yeah. yes it was. Right. Yes, it okay. was. Uh, they weren't five minutes too late. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> all right, way to throw me under the bus. <laughs> Right now, we've got a very special episode. So much content this week, and we're doing this over on Facebook Live as well with the help of our babyface producer, Ryan, and the rest of the Podcast Network Asia team. Thank you very much for making this possible for us. Really appreciate that we can bring this special episode for you. We are two days away from uh, from our February event, our signature February event for PWR, which is Love at First Fight. And here with us is the headliner. He'll be taking on the PWR champion, Chris Panzer, in the main event. Please welcome the Sniper of the Skies, Robbie Eagles. Robbie! Hey, hey everyone. G'day to everyone listening. Hey, Robbie. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've been really excited to make this happen. I think we've been planning this episode for about a month now. So uh, we were telling Chino, Chino, you better clear your schedule for this week. Because you're going to have to go all the way to Makati to pick somebody <laughs> up. That's what they didn't clear up, guys. No, that's no, that, we, we did send, clear it up, yes. They're sending the farthest guy from Makati to Makati. No, you know, you know what this was? This was a confluence of events. Yeah. Seriously, that's that's all it was. That's all it. That's all it was. No accidents, right? All right, Uh, that's that's your belief. Wait, wait, guys, stop bickering. Yeah, we got we got to talk to the guest. All right, uh, we're we're fresh off of Jollibee as well. Uh, You just had. Is this your first Jollibee meal? Yeah, it was my first Jollibee meal. Damn, how was it? How was it for you? It was magical. Did it live up to the expectation? One hundred percent. That spaghetti is on point. (laughs) (laughs) They don't make it like they do. And the the I, I guess the best part is like where we took you was one of the flagship stores because it's right across the corporate office. So if you had any complaints, you could have gone, you could have marched right into the office. I would have been, I would have been right in that office, and I would have demanded some respect for the Jolly Bee <laughs> that I had built up. But no, they came through, and it was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I'm definitely going to have it again on this trip. Really happy that uh, we were part of that experience, part of that first Jolly Bee meal. Uh, you know, you you've been wrestling uh, um, in many different places now over the last twelve years. We just talked about this on the radio show earlier, but um, I guess I, I want to start by asking about. Uh, the feelings going through uh, through you right now since you're two days away from your Philippine debut. I'm very excited. I'm also nervous because I'm always like that because uh, whenever I'm going somewhere new, you're not sure what kind of reception you're going to get. You're not going to. You're not sure who actually knows you. All those sort of things are a factor into this. Uh, plus, you know, Panzer and I have. Uh, been on again off again kind of internet friends for a long time so now to be on opposing ends and there's a little bit of you know maybe dissension going on now um it's going to be very interesting and to finally get in the ring with him too uh i was telling a lot of people for the past 24 hours that i've been here i've had my eye on pwr for a long time and to finally make it here it's been a pilgrimage for me and i'm very happy to be finally making my debut for pwr but yeah the next 48 hours it's definitely process time. It's definitely time to knuckle down, get in the gym a couple times, get some good rest, and start making a plan. Because if you guys haven't picked up on it yet, I'm the sniper of the skies for a reason. I'm all about tactics, and that's what I'm going to be going into this title match with. 
You mentioned having followed PWR for quite some time, uh, but how did PWR end up on your radar? I think it was a family member of mine because I've got Filipino heritage. So yeah. someone that lives here was like, hey, I saw this on Facebook. Have you ever seen it before? And it might have even been my mum through way of someone that shared it on her Facebook channel. And I saw PWR and it must have been at least, you know, three or four years ago. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Like I didn't think that there would be wrestling in uh, Manila or the Philippines in general. But it's kind of the same thought process that, when I first went to the States in 2011 and I met people in New York and Philly, telling them that I'm a wrestler from Australia, they were like, what, there's pro wrestling there? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> of course wow. there is. We're, we're, a, we're a country just like you guys and it's the same here. <laughs> like there's always a burgeoning wrestling scene. Sometimes it's still on the up and up and it's just starting out. But uh, what we've been doing in Australia is uh, hope, I hope it's what I'm going to experience here in PWR and I know it will be. It's going to be full of passion, full of pride. And I'm just super excited to be a part of it all. What was your impression of PWR like when it first showed up on your screen or uh, when it was first shared with you? It reminded me of my start in pro wrestling. Uh, a lot of DIY, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have, you know, major corporations backing us in the independent scene. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, uh, you can tell that it's, it's that uh, passion project for everyone that's involved. They, they really want to get the most out of it, but they're doing everything that they're capable of. And sometimes it takes money to make wrestling work. And, you know, it doesn't grow on trees, even right. though it's made out of trees. Uh, so I saw a lot of, like, my my origin story, similar sort of forms in PWR. And seeing where the guys started and where they are now, it does remind me of the Australian scene, especially when I was first starting in 2008. Let's get into that, your origin story. How did you even get in the business to begin with? For me, it was very easy. I had family in the business, being part of the, the Eagles family clan. It was very easy to just say, hey, I'm 18 now, so uh, let's do this. <laughs> it's I my turn now. Basically got told by the family, finish yeah. your studies, finish high school, and then we can talk about it. So I uh, went to Big Brother Ryan and I said, hey, I think I want to give this a go now. And he was like, okay, first day of training, I'm doing roles and I'm doing, doing things that they weren't expecting me to be capable of. And they're like, you really haven't been to one of our training sessions before? And I was like, nope, just a big fan. <laughs> you got all of that from watching a lot of wrestling? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I did self-teach myself a few things when I was younger. Okay. So uh, before I was at the age where I could actually train and do stuff, I started trying to emulate things. And it started with things like pillows and little, little plush buddies that you would have. And I'd take it out into the trampoline and recreate Canadian destroyers and things <laughs> like that. But then it, uh, it started evolving and I was like, okay, I think I'm a little bit, not athletic, but I think I'm smaller so I can maybe do some of the tricking stuff. And I was, I was into like martial arts as well. Right, right. So uh, I self-taught myself how to do a backflip by landing on my head a lot on a mattress. Wow. On a, on a mattress. Oh, he, wow. On a mattress, guys. It's soft. It's still, yeah. it, it's no, soft. it's still like, oh, my neck. On a mattress. Yeah. <laughs> but how easy or how hard was it, especially in 2008, when the independent scene wasn't at the same level that it is right now? It was really hard. Um, there was a lot less people on the rosters in a lot of the major companies that you still see today in Australia. But mm -hmm. in, in total actuality, there was a lot less wrestling in Australia. Uh, there wasn't a lot of times where multiple events would be on in the same state or city, let alone on the same day. But now we have that clash constantly. Yeah. So to get a spot, you had to be really good. And even when I first started having matches, I thought I was good, but my trainer said otherwise. And especially being family, they were very strict and firm. Uh, firm with me and they were very harsh as well they were they were quick to tell me the truth about how i was competing how i was wrestling so even though i thought i was doing good things and oh yeah three months in and i'm having my first match that's great but then i would go two months without having a match on a show so it got a bit wor worrisome for me but i just kept working really hard i was one of the people that was always at training four or five times a week as often as i could be and i just wanted to get better and i definitely had you know hurdles i had things that i just couldn't understand things that people were teaching me and i was just like i feel like i'm doing that but you're saying i'm not so i don't really understand what i need to do to fix it and then it just came with time uh, as i got older and my my brain started working more with my body i started being able to understand the mechanics of how wrestling works and how my body needs to work in order to make wrestling work for me so it was it was difficult as the years went on we would have ups and downs and eventually we got to the place where we're at now where it's starting to boom in australia you mentioned that uh, you you're, you're part of the Eagles family in wrestling. So um, can you uh, can you paint a picture of the family that's in the wrestling industry? Is it uncles, cousins? 
Uh, uh, so yeah. it's my brother Ryan. He was the one that uh, co-founded PWA, uh, and at the time, his wife Madison Eagles. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they were my two coaches. They started the Eagles Wrestling Academy, which has now turned into what is the Pro Wrestling Academy. And uh, yeah, I, I thank everything in my career to them because uh, they really said, you know what, like. Let's do this. I got to be in a tag team with my brother for years and years. He no longer wrestles anymore. He's now um, pretty much like a full-time rugby coach. Okay. So he's got another passion that he uh, is very passionate and proud of. And he's a great rugby coach. He was a great rugby player too. But Madison Eagles, uh, she was ranked number one out of all the females in the world uh, for PWA. So she's... Without a doubt, pound for pound, one of the best and toughest wrestlers in the world. And I felt it firsthand on many occasions. At training sessions especially, like uh, when we've had nights like I had last night in Makati and in, uh, in Publishon. Oh, yes. Uh, How much test? So that equivalent of a few drinks, a few good meals, a few more good drinks, and then I'd turn up to training and realize I'm the only one with Madison that next morning. Oh, f- Pretty harsh. You know, she was called the Punisher for a reason, guys. So... Yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult because I was on the lowest pedestal and I had to work really hard. Yeah. But I feel like now, not only do I still continue to work hard, but I pay it forward and I'm very thankful for my family and everyone else that's been backing me this whole time. Uh, so you trained under your brother and under uh, Madison Eagles. Who were the other trainers that you'd worked with throughout your career? I've had different coaches come and go. Uh, we've had lots of seminars that have taken place across Australia that I've been a part of, but... There's a few people that I like to think had a big role to play in where I'm at now in my wrestling career. There's um, a guy by the name of Jag Hartley Jackson who actually just came off being a a coach at the PC for WWE. He's now back in Australia. But he was uh, one of the main guys that got me to Japan for the first time. He he had a link with Zero One, which is a company that's very synonymous with Japanese wrestling. Wonderful, um, guys. I I got to go down to Adelaide a fair bunch and train under him and learn from him. And he was the PWA champ for a while, so he would come to Sydney. So he was a big influence for me. Um, Another guy is Amazing Red. So when I went to the States for the first time on my own for wrestling in 2011, I kind of got a bit stranded because I was supposed to stay with someone in Philly. And then that fell through within like 24 hours of my flight. And I was like, all right, I'm landing in New York. I have a place to stay that night. And then I've got to work out where I'm going for two weeks. And luckily enough, a friend of mine who I knew back from Australia had just moved to New York. So she said, hey, you can sleep on my floor in my apartment. It's not going to be great, but if you need a place to stay. So she saved me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I was honestly, I was saved. And then uh, I kind of just reached out to House of Glory because they had only just started. And I, they weren't close. It was like a two-hour train ride to get even remotely close, close to where yeah. they were. I'm like, they're, they're not in a very accessible part of New York. No, no. no like now, now a little bit better. It's yeah. a little bit easier being in uh, the part of Brooklyn they're in. Yeah. But back then they were in like this, uh, this boxing gym in like the middle of nowhere, Brooklyn kind of. And uh, I, just, I just messaged them on the, on the whim because I was like, hey, in between the time that I had at Chikara training, uh, I had some free time and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, well, I may as well go to something in New York since I can't go to Philadelphia every day. And I reached out to House of Glory. I went, actually went, and they weren't there on one of the days. And so one of the people in the boxing gym called Brian XL and was like, oh, there's this weird guy that wants to do the wrestling thing. (laughs) So they invited me back the next day, and I got to meet Brian XL and Amazing Red, who started House of Glory. And Amazing Red was basically the first independent wrestler that I saw outside of... Japanese wrestling and WWE and WCW. So he really captivated me because it was like a second coming of Rey Mysterio for me oh, as a teenager. Because I, 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 I'm trying to I'm trying to paint the the, the the timeline of when when he when you met Red, was he just coming off DNA? That was I, I think he maybe was still working with them to a degree because it was yeah. 2011. 2011. That's why I'm like I'm trying to p- p- figure out like because House of Glory when they started he was still sort of affiliated with them, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Right. So yeah. it might have been between might have been between that, yeah. But uh, yeah, like I saw Amazing Red when I was maybe 13 or 14, but I saw Rey Mysterio, you know, half my life before that. So then I saw this guy that was innovating what Rey Mysterio had already innovated. And I was like, holy crap. So for me, it was a dream to just meet him. And then I got to train with him. And now, you know, I can call him a senpai or a teacher. And I actually also call him a friend. We we still message each other frequently. So he's he's one of the guys I owe owe a lot to. And then I I could rattle so many other names. Akuto Hidaka in Zero One trained me for three months and he pushed me to be 
really, really great. And I, I'm very thankful for him. And uh, Mike Quackenbush is another one as well uh, at the Chikara Wrestle Factory. He's come to Australia a few times. And yeah. I think we've all spoken about him a little bit. Yeah. And he's got a great video there's, series there's, that we can learn from. No, absolutely. There is no reason for any aspiring wrestlers to not watch it. Or series. even non-wrestlers. Like, I enjoy his video series a lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it gives you a better insight into the industry. Yeah. So for those that are involved, it, it lets us learn at a quicker pace. Yeah, for people who want to learn more about what goes into match construction or even wrestling promotions, that's a great vi video series to uh, learn from. Yeah. So uh, you talked about reaching out to different promotions like in the different countries you'd visit. But when you're someone who's, let's say, not from the U.S. and you're reaching out to these companies or to these uh, training facilities, like, is that hard? Is that uh, intimidating or daunting to just try to get their attention and make sure that they even give you the time of day? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely sent emails that have just gone unread or unreplied to. Um, even at a point where people were like, oh, you definitely should have been booked here or that should have happened for you. I remember I got to meet uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa when they did an NXT tour of Australia because I have friends that are in the WWE now, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, yeah. two people that I trained alongside. And uh, they invited us backstage at one of the shows that we attended in Australia. So we got to meet Johnny and Tommaso. But the funny thing is I actually shared a locker room with Johnny Gargano years before that oh, wow. for Chikara. So on that same trip in 2011, we were both on the same Young Lions Cup show. Also featured were the Young Bucks. Uh, amongst other people too. Um, so I, I kind of reminded him about that because I said, hey, I'm Robbie, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Got We're to talking. At one time. <laughs> I, I did bring it up kind of like that and felt like a bit shy about it and like left shortly after. But one of the things that me and a few other of the Australian wrestlers asked them when we got this opportunity was we were like, what do we need to do because geographically we're challenged. We're on such a far part of the world to get to anywhere else that it's not really something that a lot of places, especially independent-wise, can just fork out the cash and bring you along for. Yep. So I totally understand that. So I was just asking the guys, I was like, what, what do we need to do to be those guys, to be the ones that can get those opportunities easily? And Johnny said to me, he's like, you know, if you're ever in the States, just email these companies. And you listed off a few. <laughs> I said, mate, I've emailed those companies. They've completely no-sold me. Oh, damn. Wow. And I told them, hey, I'm already going to be in the USA. I'll fly myself to your promotion. Like, don't have to worry about that. Just give me an opportunity. And uh, so it's a little bit hard. Like, until you really make a name or there's buzz about you somehow, it's hard to really get your foot in the door anywhere. But I think that's where the internet is really helping all of us. Social media is really helping all of us. And in Australia, especially for a place like my home promotion, PWA, we're on a live stream service. So literally anywhere in the world, when our show is happening in Sydney, people can watch it and tune in. And that just makes the game change completely. It makes people stand up and watch and realize what we're doing and see it. It's at a high level. And now they're like, oh, I can watch it now. Like if it's... Uh, showing at say eight o'clock, eight p.m. That would be what five p.m. for you guys yeah. here in the Philippines. Exactly. Yep. Yes. So that's a pretty that's good watchable. time to yeah, watch. You could finish work and tune into a show straight yes. away. Well, we don't finish work at five. <laughs> <laughs> we, none of we, us. We hope. Work. We hope to finish work at five. <laughs> that's like I, I've I've not gone home at five in a long time. But I was actually going to ask, given given those types of opportunities that you know you guys are now being broadcast, you have that side of it down. Do you think that even within Australia, because I know the geographical challenges that you've just presented, it, it does it does do you have that same problem? Like just even across, like from Sydney to Melbourne, all those stretches, like every state. Do you think that there's enough there for them to be like, okay, I'm tuning into PWA tonight, and then I'm gonna follow them all the way through, like become dedicated fans? We've definitely seen that pick up. I think. Uh, getting the shows as accessible as early as possible, like the live stream or, yeah. you know, other companies do it on the on-demand services where you pay a, a you monthly pay a subscription. Monthly and then you get it, they get it at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the quicker the shows come online for people to watch after they happen because whilst people are attending these events, you know, people are tweeting or they're putting stuff on Instagram. So you get little bites and pieces, but then you want to see the whole thing from start to finish. Mm -hmm. So the quicker that that's available to the people that weren't there in person, that makes a world of difference in order to capture an audience outside of that local market. Yeah. But there, there is big distances. You know, the drive from Melbourne to Sydney is eight to 10 it's, hours. Yeah, it's murder. So I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's, it's not like uh, what the people have in the States, for instance. They, they travel from one state to the other and it takes them, you know, one or two hours. Yeah. So they can pick up multiple bookings from Friday to Sunday. Yeah. It's not like that for us here. Uh, well, in well, Australia. Australia, yeah. Um, 
you know, we, we, we have to either fly ourselves or, you know, if the flights are too expensive, then we have to drive. drive. And then if we have to drive, we have to get a group of people. And if we get too many people, we have to hire a van. So, go. like, it starts changing. But um, the opportunities are starting to come up more frequently. <laughs> and uh, that's the one thing that I say to a lot of the younger talent in Australia now is their opportunities are way better than what I had when I was first starting. And I'm very happy for them. I want them to get the experience. I want them to work as often as they can. Wherever they can. Exactly. Yeah. It, like, I don't care if someone thinks that this place is second rate or this place isn't worth going. If there's some point that you can get experience or something that you can retain out of that, then take it. If it's you're used to being led in matches and now you can lead the match by going here, go and do that because you need to learn how to do that. If you work for audiences that are very easy to react to wrestling, maybe you need to go work somewhere where it's a little bit more difficult or lower numbers and that'll make you work harder. Um, if it's a particular style, maybe you need to learn that. So I really just want the best for all of wrestling, not, mm -hmm. just, in not Australia, just in Australia, but like here as well. Um, but it's, it's all based on what we're all capable of. But as long as people get after it, uh, the thing I tell people at training all the time is wrestling doesn't owe anything to you. You owe yourself to wrestling. So the more time you make for pro wrestling in your life, the more you'll get out of it. You mentioned training with uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. And uh, who are the other names that have come up in the scene that you trained with and whose growth you saw really from like day one? Uh, there's, there's a few people. Uh, the ones in like the spotlight are obviously the Iconics because uh, I came in shortly after Billy Kay had been training. Uh, she had probably only been competing and training less than a year by the time I came into the fold. In the same company? In the same company in PWA. So she, her and Peyton Royce are PWA originals. Peyton Royce started about a year after me. So literally I saw her whole progression of, from start to finish. And I got to be at Mania last year um, and catch a glimpse of them winning the, 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 the Women's Tag Team yeah. Championships, which was awesome because I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. I was like, they've got all the momentum behind them and it would be great because they're a legitimate tag team. But, but maybe no booking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know booking. Re the wrestling world. Um, another person is Dakota Kai. Uh, oh, she she oh. came into PWA. King Coda. <laughs> King Coda. She's, I mean, not the same person I remember. Yeah, definitely yeah. for sure. Definitely a, not. Yeah. Bit of a mean streak behind her now. But uh, yeah, I like to think I was an honorary member of Team Kick for a little bit, which hey. was our inside joke. Um, yeah, she she was really a star since she came to Australia for the first time uh, nine years ago from New Zealand. And they've got a burgeoning scene there as well. Um, there's so many people like I've crossed paths with Tennille Dashwood as well um, better known as Emma, Emma I guess Emma. during her time in or WWE. Emma Lina <laughs> oh, yeah, I, th I think I think a lot of people try to forget about yeah, like, no, no, no. but uh, another person that comes up frequently is uh, Buddy Murphy hey. so he and I cross paths we've only had two matches uh, one in Sydney one in Melbourne so respective cities yeah. uh, and wins going those ways. So in Sydney, I got the victory and in Melbourne, he got the victory. Um, but yeah, he was one of those guys that was just super talented for a long time. And, you know, I don't think he really understood how talented he was at the beginning stage. And then once, once he got confidence behind him and started just, you know, really getting after it, it wasn't long until WWE picked him up and now he's tag team champions with Seth Rollins. So yeah. I mean, he's with Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. And then right. he's like, he's in that group. It's so cool. Also a former cruiserweight champion. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Also a former and NXT tag NXT team champion. Tag team. Yeah, no, it's going to go. So uh, you, you guys just mentioned basically Buddy Murphy getting his big break. But for you, Robbie, when did your big break come about? Like, when did companies start paying attention to you? Uh, the first person or company, I guess, to really take a chance on me would have to be PWG. So I got opportunities at places like House of Glory and at Chikara and a few other smaller promotions around the world. But PWG was the place. Um, it was actually funny how it all happened. It was through Will Ospreay. Mm -hmm. Okay. He kind of set oh, we'll the wheels the, in we'll motion. We'll get to him. Yeah. We'll get to him. But when he first came to Australia after we had our match, he was just over the moon with how well it went. And uh, he was like, I'm going to tell everyone about you. If, if, if I can help, I want to. And that was, really, that was really generous of him. He didn't have to do that. So flash forward almost a year later, just shy of a year later, start of 2018, I got married on the uh, 9th of March. Uh, and then the next day we arrive home, which was actually my... Did we get married on the 10th? I might, I might have got that wrong. Hopefully my wife doesn't <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> but it was around that time. Uh, the next day we arrive home from where we stayed for the wedding night. Yeah. And uh, I got an email from PWG and it was like, hey, can you come for an event here in Reseda. And I was like, this is the best wedding present ever. 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, PWG I owe a lot to because they were the first ones to really take a shot on me and like do the whole deal. Like uh, I didn't have to fly myself to PWG. That wasn't part of the deal. They were they were paying for my way from Sydney to Los Angeles. Wow. So, you know, That's that, not cheap. No, no. Oh, but like yeah. PWG is a big company, so yeah. you can understand why they're big, able to do it. It's a lot bigger than you think, Stan. I know, I know. Like I'm just saying because like we've we've had this discussion with it, but yeah, we, we just got to mention that Robbie Eagles is wearing the 2018 Bowler shirt right now. If, if uh, you're watching on Facebook Live, yeah, oh. which is what I was trying to get to here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you have the shirt on, and because Camos is spazzing out again about PWG. We've had multiple guests on the pod describe the atmosphere of a Bola show to us. Now, as somebody who's not really familiar with the product, can you describe uh, Bola Show 2? I, I think it's uh, not just Bola, but Bola is very special because it's a string of events all together. It's the whole weekend. I, I actually was in the crowd for Bola Night 2 in 2014. I was holidaying with my wife and uh, we had a free day in Los Angeles and we were doing a Warner Brothers tour okay. and we saw a guy wearing a Super Dragon t-shirt and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, is PWG on this weekend? This is... So I got to talking to him and he's like, yeah, man, it's Bola. And I was like, oh my God. And my wife was like, do you want to go? go? <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yes. So we lined up for four hours to get standby tickets. Uh, that was fun. Not. But uh, no, yeah, it was, uh, it was the first time the Young Bucks ever hit the Meltzer driver. Wow. They wrestled uh, now SCU, SCU in, yeah. the, in the main event. You know, you had guys like Adam Cole, Zack Sabre Jr., Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. Uh, there's so many people I'm on just, that I'm event. I'm trying to remember, like, who was on that I party? remember Rich Swan and Candice LeRae had a crazy match oh. in the first round. I think it was, like, oh. maybe the opening match. Chris Sabin was there. Chris Ricochet Saban. was there. Chris Sabin like, with his good knees. <laughs> so many people that I've yeah. now become peers with, luckily enough, in my yeah. career. But I was there as a ticketed audience member uh, just watching because it was kind of like, Look, I'm, I'm not going to be able to be a part of it, but if I don't go, I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. So then to be a part of Bowler in 2018, four years later, uh, and that was actually the first time that I got my first victory in PWG, it was a very special moment for me. And I got to wrestle a fellow Filipino boy in DJZ in the opening round. Oh. So it's like this whole full circle, guys. I'm so glad I'm talking about this here. I wouldn't want to talk about it with anyone else. <laughs> Thank you. No, that, that means a lot yeah, to us. Yeah, it does mean a lot yeah. to us. Yeah, especially because uh, for a lot of us, um, you know, growing up watching wrestling, we never would have thought that there would be a kind, uh, there would come a time when there's an entire generation of part Filipino wrestlers all making a name for themselves all at the same time. And there was a time where we were all happy with Batista. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How big of a deal was it for you to have Batista in WWE? When I learned he was Filipino, I think I had the same reaction that people have when they hear that I'm <laughs> Filipino. And I was like, no. And then I was just like, okay, I believe this now. He's doing good things. I'm going to jump all over that bandwagon. But yeah, it was, it was cool. Like It was uh, inspirational to see another half Filipino guy be very successful because you don't see that in our industry very often. Yeah, uh, there's not there's not a lot of us around, but we are starting to grow, and uh, it's a community that's very bonded together. I think uh, we share a lot of the same sort of growing up experiences. So it's it's cool to have these people in limelights in different places too. You know, being able to share New Japan rings with TJP and being at PWG with Jeff Cobb and then the next minute he's on a World Series wrestling tour in Australia with me. It's a, it's a very cool experience to share with these brothers and sisters and just to have that instant bond and chemistry with and just to know that we're we're all doing our part to be as successful as we can be. Look at Shotzi Blackheart now in NXT. Like, she's killing it. Okay, you mentioned that people weren't People, people didn't know that you were Filipino, but I wanted to ask, how, uh, growing up, how much of the culture were you exposed to? I was exposed to a fair bit of it. Um, my mom did become a little bit more Australianized. Right, right. Just through like being there for so long. So right. just by happenstance happened because it was like we weren't surrounded by a lot of Filipino people in our direct community where right. we lived. But uh, whenever we were around relatives or, you know, um, family friends and things like that, it would definitely come out to play. Uh, th there's like specific words that kind of like... Oh, we heard those last night. <laughs> yeah. We heard those last yeah. night. Um, some that I probably shouldn't remember. No, it's okay. You, oh, no, it's you, totally you, all right. It's an explicit it podcast. I think our viewers and listeners would be totally okay with it. Plus, you're Australian. <laughs> and I, I, I just don't want to butcher any Tagalog that I've learned recently. So I need it, to no, it was right. It was right more. last night. It was right last night. Okay. <laughs> so you guys do... You know how to use words. Kuya, ate, tito, tita, all that stuff. Yeah, like tito, tita, like definitely still to this day. 
day. Like uh-huh. even my wife calls uh, one of my aunts Titharose because right. that's just how she's known. Right, right. Um, and she's actually here at the moment from the US, but she's traveling to Australia tomorrow. So I'll catch up with her back then. But she, she's, I feel like I'm connected to her because she travels so much and now I do. So like I'm starting to get more connected to my family on the Filipino side as I grow older, which I really appreciate because as a youngster, I kind of got into wrestling and Pokemon and all these different <laughs> things. And I kind of just wanted to, I, I don't know, be in my own world. I was, mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate my culture as much as what I'm trying to get at. And yeah. now being here and experiencing things in Manila firsthand and hanging out with you guys and meeting more people. And, you know, I'll be spending time with my family while I'm here. I really do want to get more invested into what I didn't pick up as a youngster, but food was definitely the big one. Filipino food was very big in the household. Right, right. Um, I did become a fussy eater as I grew up <laughs> a little bit, uh, just as, you know, young kids are sometimes. Yeah. So it got to a point where mum would be, she'd make me a plate of spaghetti. And it's not Jolly Bee spaghetti, because that, that's amazing. <laughs> it was just my mum's spaghetti, <laughs> which is also amazing in a different I, I, vein. I was going to say, you don't, you, don't, you don't talk shit about your mom's cooking. No, no, no. no, no never. No. Her, her never. spaghetti is the bomb. Oh. But she would cook spaghetti. And I'd be like, sweet, here's dinner. And then I would see that she's still cooking in the kitchen. And I'd be like, what are you cooking? And she's like, oh, I'm cooking my dinner. <laughs> and it would be a oh. Filipino dish. And I'd be like, why can't I have that? And she's like, oh, you won't like it. <laughs> oh. well, if she says you won't like it, then it might be true. <laughs> So in that vein, uh, let's start ask the typical guest question. Oh, Do you have a favorite Filipino food? Probably chicken adobo. Okay. Yeah. okay. Nice, nice, easy, medium, pleases everyone. With a nice hard-boiled <laughs> egg. Yeah, of course. And uh, But the other funny one is my hangover cure, which is uh, I experienced it at Carlo Cannon's house because his mom is an absolute angel, and she made me what I refer to as blood pudding. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Emma and the Kid. Yeah, so it's uh, Dinuguan, for those of you who, uh, who um, whose heads just completely miss a reference. Yeah. Yeah, so, so after a hard night of partying with Carlo Cannon in Melbourne, it went down so well the next day when my head was pounding. <laughs> Blood pudding. Oh, I, like, I was scared. I was scared of it, especially when it was referred to me in that way. Yeah. Oh, it's just blood pudding. I was like, <laughs> uh-huh. and I felt rude not having it, so I had to have it. And then I was like, oh, my hangover's gone. I feel uh, so my, much better. My mom calls it black soup, so I think that's better than I, blood pudding. I have <laughs> actually had people refer to it as chocolate soup. What? <laughs> what? No joke. People in the States refer to it as chocolate, that's which weird. is the farthest thing from it. Yeah. Uh, so blood pudding and chicken adobo. What about three other? Uh, someone's asking your top five Filipino dishes. Oh, man, I don't, I, I don't know because I'm experiencing some for the first time here now on right, this right, trip. Right. You can put so, Jolly Bee spaghetti. Jolly Bee spaghetti. spaghetti for sure. That spicy chicken joy was pretty good too. I mean the yum burger, pretty yum. But hey, I don't know. I want to save some it's spots. Not, it's okay, not okay. Ranked. It's not ranked. So I don't. Oh, he, know. he got time. He got time. I don't know if I've got a top five yet. Okay. But maybe ask me again before I leave, and right. then we'll have it. We'll have it established. All right. All right. Uh, how do you feel when Filipino fans come at you on social media and go, "Oh, Kuya Robbie, Kuya Robbie"? It's it's very interesting uh, because I only learned what the word was in like the last year or two. All right. So to hear, I was like, "Why? Why do these people call me?" And it's like, "Oh, you know, it's like a kind of like a higher brother, big brother, sort of. yeah. yeah." And to hear that, I'm like, "Oh, that's that's really heartwarming that people." you know, call me by that because I know it's something that they, you know, it's, it's very much in the family, but it's also it's a, a respect. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's cool. And that's part of what I want to get more engulfed in is the culture and understand where I'm from more. Okay. Uh, sorry. sorry. Um, uh, people are asking about the Robbie shirt, the, the Jollibee parody oh, shirt. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> first of all, are they going to be available this Sunday? Yeah. Well, as long as everyone's done their bit over here that I've put them, Play, uh, the wheels in motion for they should be available on Sunday. All right, all right. <laughs> and then, threads, that's steady threads, right? I think so. I believe. Uh, but another, be. <laughs> another question: uh, Is it your way of letting people know more about your Filipino heritage? Yeah, it is. Um, I've kind of mentioned it before that, like uh, the last, especially the last twelve to eighteen months, has been very much about me being Australian. And everything I've done in New Japan and uh, through New Japan has been about me being Australian. But now I really want to show people the other side. I want to show people that I respect where my mum's come from and where my family is from. Uh, The fact that she migrated to Australia all those years ago is besides the point. Um, So I think you're really going to see through that T-shirt and through some other stuff that I've got coming up, which might be included on Sunday. uh, You're going to see me represent my, my Filipino heritage a little bit more. 
I'm like, all right, all right. It, like, this is a full gear change. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, uh, save it, save it for Sunday. Wow. Save it for no Sunday. Spoilers, spoilers. No spoilers. Gina's That's why smack Gina's you in, upside. Gina's in here, and the people listening, just you know, just give them a little bit. But I was gonna ask. So you just mentioned New Japan. You just mentioned that Australian heritage. Is there anyone right now that you want to share that locker, that New Japan locker room with from Australia? Who needs? Who is? Who are the Australian guys that need to be in there right now? I think number one, absolutely, right now is Mick Moretti. So uh, the Rapscallion, he's he's an absolute oddball, and I hate him so much, but I also love him at the same time. He uh, he runs the Pro Wrestling Academy with myself and Madison Eagles, mm-hmm. and uh, us as the head coaches. He, he's been a guy that uh, we've been through so many wars, and he's pushed me to be the wrestler I am today. Um, he, he also funnily enough was a groomsman at my wedding with his crazy hair and all. I'll show you guys photos later. Right. It was very disturbing for my wife and her family. So. <laughs> <laughs> but your wife isn't a wrestler at all, right? No, no, no. She's outside of the business. But, uh, Mick, Mick is, uh, without a doubt, one of the most talented wrestlers that has kind of gone undiscovered, but he's kind of going through the same path as me at the moment. Cause he started doing more work with PWG recently as well. He was just in battle of Los Angeles yeah. for last year. And, uh, he just had a singles match with another Australian Paris to silver mm-hmm. who's part of the tag team, the velocities. And now they're getting their tag team debut, uh, next month, uh, nice. just before WrestleMania for PWG. So like, uh, Mick Moretti is definitely one of those guys before I would have said people like, um, Adam Brooks and Slex, mm-hmm. but they're about to start, you know, working with ring of honor more frequently. Yeah. So, you know, I think in a way we'll probably will see them in new Japan, but, uh, Mick Moretti, definitely one of those guys. I think another one would be Jack Bonza. Mm-hmm. He's one of the toughest guys that I've ever fought and he's just absolutely solid. Um, a brick shit house is what I like to call. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it would be, uh, it'd be a crime not to have him in there. And I'm just trying to think if there's one other person, like th- there's so many talented people in Australia right now. Um, Matty Warburg would yeah. be, mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, a pleasure to see in the ring. Uh, I'd love to see Maddie Warburg versus Minoru Suzuki. Wow. Just wow. because Maddie is a bit flashy and sometimes when he doesn't need to be, uh-huh. he just does it to rub it in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd love him to get, you know, in one of those shiny oh. elbows from Suzuki and see if he still plays up that flashiness after. Yeah, he's got a very loud personality as well. So yeah. I, I'd love to see that clash with Suzuki. Uh, um, since we're talking about New Japan here, um, I w- would you consider that the biggest platform you've performed for at this stage? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What was going through your mind when uh, New Japan first touched base with you and when uh, you became a part of their roster? Well, uh, it was a very surreal moment. I, I didn't know that it was actually going to happen. It was something that a lot of people were saying, this is a possibility. You could it's possibly, on the table. Yeah, it's you could possibly table. work with New Japan. But uh, when it actually started coming to fruition, it was it was very exciting. And it's been a goal and aspiration of mine for a long time. So when I got that opportunity, I just smashed the door down and just went, went for the fences, I guess is the best way to put it. I just uh, did whatever I could to make sure I fulfilled my role, make sure that they were happy with my work and I wanted to work there full time. So that's what I worked towards. How did you get their attention in the first place? Through Will Ospreay. Hey. Sick of talking oh, about him. Yeah, it's like, it's like last night. It's like, yeah, fuck that guy. No, it's just like everyone's like, talk about Will Ospreay already. <laughs> no. How did you feel about uh, New Japan putting you in the big groups already? Uh, I mean, I'm very lucky right. uh, to be the one and only person that's transitioned from Bullet Club to Chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay White did it the opposite way around yeah, and I think did. I did it the better way so um, maybe Jay White's been more successful I don't know I mean, but, I mean, he, I mean he's, he's, he's a one time IWGP champion I mean I still remember super kicking him in the face in Sydney so uh, <laughs> I've got that over him so we'll uh, yeah we'll hold that we'll hold that for a second mm-hmm. but yeah no I've uh, I've been very fortunate to be a part of the groups that I've been a part of and I've got to learn from so many people in such a quick amount of time so yeah very fortunate and uh, just to be a part of New Japan as an Australian, as a Filipino Australian, as someone from a place that they wouldn't anticipate to have a, uh, a wrestling scene or a wrestling star to be in New Japan and featured quite prominently, I'm very happy and excited for the future as well. Someone is asking if you have any funny stories from traveling with chaos. If, oh. you can, if we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or we can talk about the last DVD. No. <laughs> No. Or bullet club stories. That DVD is a bit weird, man. Like I'm not into that. <laughs> uh, I mean, like some of the stuff, 
it gets it's pretty simplistic. Like we we share the bus, right? Yeah. And uh, sometimes it'll just be myself, Rocky, and Will, kind of seated in a row of three. And we'll get a little bit carried away and we'll start getting a little bit too loud and we'll be talking like amongst ourselves and obviously with the English speakers on the bus yeah. at that point. Uh, and sometimes if uh, Ishii needs to have a bit of a rest and we're talking too loud, <laughs> we'll hear a grunt from the back of the bus and we'll go, okay, time to shut up. <laughs> um, but like, th- there's a lot of things that happen on, on tour and stuff. Like a lot of it's just, you know, too much partying. Um, the, the normal stuff that you would, that you would experience that we experienced last night, even a little bit, bit, but just with people that you wouldn't like, you wouldn't expect to experience that with. But, uh, I I tell you what, Will Ospreay is a hell of a dancer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to, do you want to put that on record though? Oh yeah. Yeah. He would would love that. It would go straight to his head. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) last night you did mention that there's, there was an incident involving a strip club and Will Ospreay. No, no. Okay, no. Not okay. a strip club. Let me clarify. Okay, that's, because that sounds that's, that's really why. bad and that could get him into a that's lot of why. hot water. So <laughs> please don't do wow. that. No. We um, were... That was so no, no, no. National incident. Y'all weren't there. Hey, and, remember and that time Will. that they threw Will Ospreay under the bus? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's not coming to Manila anytime soon. Thanks, well, Camus. Well, let me, so, yeah, that's, let me that, clarify. Let's go. let's go on that. We, we, were, in, uh, we were in Seattle for okay. the Super J Cup last year. And we had a few days where we had time to kill. Okay. So we were just looking around for nightlife in the area. And right by our hotel, much to Will's chagrin, was a gay bar. And we were like, cool. Never really been to a gay bar before. But uh, let's do it. You know, it might be interesting. <laughs> it was super weird. Uh, it was like very dead because we went like middle of the week. It was like okay. Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Wednesday nights Thursday, that yeah. we were going. But what they had, which was absolutely amazing, is they had what's called a dancing karaoke room. Okay. So literally a separate room with a dance floor, but it was a karaoke room at the same time. So it was huge for a karaoke room. So what it was is it gave you the floor mm-hmm. to do your dance moves as well as your karaoke. So we thought this was great. And we, we weren't even drunk. We were pretty sober. We were just having like a good time. So Will starts getting into it and then, uh, you know, uh, Pony by Genuine starts playing. <laughs> And then someone's put on a chair and then Will's <laughs> taking off his T-shirt. <laughs> and I don't blame him because with a bod like that, I would too. I would. I but it was, all, it was all for fun. And, uh, you know, in the background, TJ was watching on as well. <laughs> so it was just a very interesting night because it's not something that we thought was going to happen. Uh, and then randomly, one of the other patrons that was not with us did like a, a head nip up on the on the oh, dance floor. What? And we were just like, okay, that's the thing that I just saw. That's amazing. <laughs> on the um, dance floor. I don't think our night's going to get any better. Let's go. <laughs> Will Ospreay, professional wrestler. Slash dancer. No, no, no. Amateur dancer. Okay. All right. Julie noted, Julie noted if he ever comes through town. Here's another question that uh, has been sent our way through the mailbag. What's the story behind the ring name Robbie Eagles? Well, it's very easy. Uh, being the younger brother of Ryan Eagles, mm-hmm. uh, it was just adopted, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there was a point where we were looking at different things because you always got to come up with a ring name. Yeah. But it was like Robbie and Ryan just sounds like a tag team. So it was very easy to go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being the style of wrestler that I am as well, and that's kind of evolved over time. But when I was first starting, I very much was just like a, a straight up high flyer. Mm-hmm. So having equals as the surname is just very fitting for the way that I perform in the ring. I'm right. able to, you know, jump from heights that some people don't think I should or can. Um, and I've kind of like uh, used that continuously in my career and now having the nickname the sniper of the skies like that's all about as i grew older in professional wrestling and as i learned more and honed my techniques part of it was because i i needed to become uh less injury prone as well with that high flying style you can pick up pretty nasty injuries pretty quickly yeah so as i went on i was like look i I need longevity in my career i need to change it up a little bit i need to also win matches too that's the most important thing so I was like, okay, I'm pretty good with strikes. I'm pretty good with this high flying stuff. And I've got a submission game that some people would think is, you know, overlooked. So mm-hmm. underrated in my eyes. So I was like, how can I combine all these things? And uh, I took a lot of it from my coaching from Ikudo Hidaka in Zero One because he's one of the finest junior heavyweight wrestlers ever, mm-hmm. but he's very pinpoint and accurate. So then I started adapting that in my training and then that flowed into my matches. And through that pinpoint accuracy, I was able to pick people apart limb from limb, but in ways that they hadn't seen or expected before. So that's how the term the Sniper of the Skies was coined. 
Interesting. So there, that's the origin story for everybody who's been asking on uh, social media. All right, so I'm going to also ask if you weren't a professional wrestler, and that's probably hard to imagine. What would you be doing right now? That's kind of difficult because as I've as I've grown up, there's been different things that I've been interested in. Right. Um, but I think through like through wrestling and doing things like podcasts and radio interviews, I kind of mentioned earlier that. I, I would probably see myself in some sort of like podcasting or radio platform. Ooh. I, I really enjoy talking to people. Especially You're natural. In, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for this really great interview. <laughs> but like people that are passionate about things, I could I could speak to for a long, long time. And like he hearing people's stories about, um, you know, their experiences. And I've got friends that are in uh, bands and they're musicians or they're performers. And just hearing the parallels that we have in the wrestling industry and they'll be like, yeah, we our, our bus broke down so we had to change the tire and do this and do that and then drive to the next gig. And I'm like, that's pretty much exactly what I did on the weekend for these two indie shows that I was doing. So there's a lot of uh, similarities on that. And uh, there was a time where I was into music. So maybe like something to do with radio, podcasting, music to a degree. And then as I got older in wrestling, I started really enjoying the gym more. So then I started thinking, maybe I should study like personal training and look at that as like a side hustle or even something after wrestling. So whether it's personal training or some sort of, you know, um, sports science or physiotherapy, those are all the sort of things that I'm interested in now as I'm older. So I, I hope even if I wasn't wrestling, I would still go in that sort of direction. All right. Let's uh, talk about rock and wrestling coming together because you've also got a link with someone who's made those two passions come together in Mark Andrews. So you were uh, telling us about him earlier when I uh, had you on the radio show. So um, can can you tell us about that relationship and how he's been influential in your career? Yeah, he he and I met at the Young Lions Cup in 2011 for Chikara Pro. which was the same event that I shared the locker room with Johnny Gargano yeah. and the Young Bucks. Uh, so we, we just hit it off kind of instantly. And at the time, the UK wrestling scene wasn't what it is now. Yeah. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. So I remember Mark telling me, he was like, man, like you would do really well in the UK. Like people don't wrestle your style. And even from, like him himself, he was like, you know, there's not a lot of wrestlers like me in the UK. So we've kind of just been in touch throughout our careers. And he went and did some stuff with TNA for a little while. And now he's in WWE with NXT UK. Um, but he's always had other platforms. So he helped start the brand Defend Indie Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool concept because when he started that, there wasn't really a lot of brands. Like Suplex has always been around and that's one that a lot of people, especially that watch Japanese wrestling, are synonymous with because they see guys like Zack Sabre and Tony Storm representing it. Um, but, you know, Mark started it with, I think it was Pete Dunne was the other person that started it with him behind Defend New Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was all about it. I thought, I messaged him straight away and I was like, hey, this is a great idea. And then one of the things that they got to do as part of a relationship with uh, Fighting Spirit magazine is they got to spotlight a wrestler every month in the magazine and then they would create a music video to help show some spotlight on that wrestler. So then Mark reached out to me and he was like, hey, we want you to be the second ever spotlight wrestler for the Defending New Wrestling series. Um, And I got to choose a friend's band's music because it had to be like unlicensed music. So So not his band's music, not Junior. No, 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 not Junior. No, no, no. So it was a, a friend that used to be in a band in Australia. They're, they're no longer existing anymore. But um, I reached out to him because he was a big wrestling fan and come to my shows. And I said, hey, can I use your song Mount Splashmore as a, uh, as a wrestling music video? And he was like, yeah, of course. So we put all these things together and it's just kind of spiraled from there. And I've supported Mandrews in uh, having some of the apparel at shows, I used to come out wearing one of their jackets for my entrance jacket for a little while. But he's he's just been one of those guys that, through seeing what he's achieved from, you know, the the burgeoning UK stuff to when Progress really started kicking off to going to Impact to then going to NXT UK, got a lot of respect for him, and I'm very proud of what he's been able to achieve. Uh, earlier, we also talked about the, uh, the guys that you've trained because now you're at a point in your career where you're paying it forward and you're the one who's also helping shape future careers. What is that like for you? Because um, you're nowhere near being retired at this point, but you're also on the path to helping others start their careers. I'd like to knock on wood because I definitely want to keep going with my career for as long as I Absolutely, can. Absolutely, yeah. So hearing the word retirement, it just scares me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very exciting to see these people, especially from day one training to then where they are now. Like, perfect example, Matty Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. So we've been speaking about him a little bit. Australian Survivor star. Yep, so yep. I know we might have some crossover fans. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but I remember his first session at the Pro Wrestling Academy and seeing from 
those early days to where he is now and how confident he is and how good he is. Um, it's crazy. Uh, there's so there's so many people. Ricky South is another is another one. He's he's a bit of a out there character as well. Um, bit more flamboyant. Something that I'm not completely all about. But like he definitely is a hard hitting wrestler. He definitely has charisma up the wazoo. And uh, I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with him because we actually worked together in our day jobs. So uh, I got to see Ricky grow as well. Um, it's something I'm proud of. I, I really enjoy training people. And another thing that I do enjoy is taking a wrestler that maybe had a start or training somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they weren't underneath myself or Madison at the beginning. And maybe they've been wrestling, you know, six or seven years already. But then when they transition to come across and they're like, hey, like I want to get better or I've hit this plateau and how can I push past this? Yeah. I've got a glass ceiling and I want to break it. Like I want to go further in my career. How can I do that? I really do enjoy that as well because – those are the people I like to surround myself with, the people that constantly want to evolve in wrestling as wrestling evolves. And it takes a lot to admit that you're not where you want to be or you're not as good as you should be. Um, so for people that are humble like that, uh, I really respect that and I really enjoy teaching those people on a, on a frequent basis. Earlier, uh, you mentioned off the air that um, you're also supervising uh, some stuff from like uh, from the gorilla position. You're watching and you're helping run the shows uh, in your home promotion. And I wanted I wanted to get into the stuff you've learned from being in New Japan and like taking the things and elements you've seen there and applying it back home. So like, uh, what are the types of uh, things or insights you've been able to bring back? I guess it's just looking at it from a TV product perspective. So seeing how the shows run from start to finish in New Japan, and then going, okay. You're not always, you're not always overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. You can watch a show from New Japan and just enjoy it, yeah. and then you don't feel like you're exhausted afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's something that some places get wrong. They give you too much and too much of it. Mm -hmm. So, just telling people to play their roles. Some matches don't need to be as big as the others. You'll get your opportunity later down the track. And then one of the things I like to tell people is, I go, remember, this isn't WrestleMania. Because it's very easy as a young wrestler to go, okay, here's my shot. I'm in front of three or 400 people. And now I'm going to have my WrestleMania match. It's supposed to be a 25-minute match, but I'm going to have it in eight. Mm -hmm. See the problem? Yeah. So uh, I, I do say that frequently. People do understand it after they experience it. Yeah. And uh, one of the big things is like learning from your mistakes as well. So that's why I sit backstage and watch the shows as they happen. And... Anyone that comes up to me freely on their own and they, they seek out the advice, I'll always give to. I'll write notes regardless if someone asks me to or not. And then it's up to them to come up to me and ask for that advice. I'll never just give it to someone and go, hey, I, I took notes on your match and I'm going to tell you now. If they want to get better, they can come get better and come see me. Um, and I'm never being negative just for the sake of being negative. I'm just saying, hey, this is something that I think could have been better. And I'll always have alternatives. Here's what you could have done. This is what you should have changed. So I'm not just saying that was bad. I'm always trying to lift them up in a way that this is what you need to do next time. So just work on that. All right. All right. I mean, like, uh, I, I think that's really insightful, especially for a lot of us uh, here in the Philippines. That's where really we're just, great. Yeah, yeah, getting our feet wet, right? Um, looking back at your career so far, what's the biggest piece of advice that someone shared with you? Like something that's really shaped your career? Oh, Wow. Or the most helpful tip you've been uh, given by uh, an older wrestler? It's hard because I've had a few concussions, so I've probably forgotten more <laughs> than, I, than I can remember. Oh, shit. Uh, but, uh, you know, Chris Panzer, you can't even try to give me a concussion. Just know that. <laughs> anyway, oh. um, I, I honestly, I think it's just been to stick my head down and listen. Um, I've never really been the most vocal person in like a locker room situation. And that's because I'd rather be not unnoticed, but go by quietly and earn my, my spots or positions and opportunities through my work rather than, you know, be vocal and speak to the people that I need to speak to, to get a shot, but then fall short on their expectations maybe. Um, but networking, networking is definitely a huge part. And once I realized that, and once some people told me that you need to network, then that's been a big part of advice that I was given to make the best of. Like going to New Zealand for a seminar with Jado, 
for less than 24 hours, I was in the country. And then when I flew back to Sydney, I went straight to my day job as soon as I arrived at the international airport because I, that, that was the only time that I could fit it all in. You know, those are the sort of things that I had to do in order to get my position in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm very thankful that I did that. And if I didn't listen to the advice that was like, take every opportunity and make the most out of it, then I don't think I would be where I am now. So my, my big thing that I tell people from that same advice that I get is if there is someone you want to learn from and you can get to them, go get to them. Don't wait. It's the same thing I said before. Wrestling doesn't owe you anything. You owe wrestling yourself. Okay. I have, like, we're just going to pull back the curtain a bit because we got to rewind to when you met Panzer at the block party. Okay. Because he's, he's gone on the record saying that when, when you guys ran into each other, it's like you knew who he was. Yep. And he found you. And this is like, how many years ago was that? That's that was years? last year. Last last year. year. That was just last year. Fuck, man. <laughs> January less, less did a number a on me. January did a less number Less than a year me. ago. Less than a year ago. Less than a year ago, he sought you out. And then you see him. And then he told us He told us the story of how you're like, no, no, no. You you come up here. You're, you, you knew him. And he was surprised also that, that that was happening. But what advice do you want to give him? Like outside of outside of all of this, outside of all of this, because he's he's you've got him coming up. I think I think the advice I'd like to give to him prior to prior to fight. prior to because you're you're gonna teach him a lot in that. Match. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's gonna learn so much. In the <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for how much he's gonna learn. Sorry. Um, wow. I was enjoying that thought too much. <laughs> uh, he's kind of already doing what I would tell him and go learn. Go learn from wherever you can. Because I know he just spent some time in the UK. Yeah. And uh, he was learning at the London School of Lucha Libre. Yep. Uh, and he got With to your do... your friend. Yeah, he ran into <laughs> Will Ospreay. Talk about Will Ospreay again. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's just your friend. <sighs> just my tag team partner in the Birds of Prey. prey. <laughs> With but, the nice merch and all that. Oh, which I... I did bring something. Special. Yes, we'll see. Yes. We'll see. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, he's already kind of taken the advice I would have given him, and he's he's going to learn. Like he he's been to Japan and he got to train there and wrestle for Gato Move, yeah. and he's he's doing the right things by networking. Um, he he just needs to do more of it, as much as he can. If if he's as passionate about wrestling as he says he is, then I want to see him be the next Filipino star worldwide. And I think he's got the possibility to be that person. But the true test will come on Sunday. Can he hold his own one-on-one? -on -one? Jeff Cobb in a triple threat? It's a different story. Yeah, you wrestled Jeff Cobb, but there was another man in that match. I mean, there were, there were, like, his whole faction was there too. Okay, well, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen on Sunday. <laughs> you ever seen that episode of uh, The Simpsons where Mr. Burns is like, oh, Smithers, I don't think I can bowl tonight. <laughs> That's going to be MSG, but I'm not going to make the mistake and fix their knee before they come out. <laughs> It'll be like post. So should we, Sorry. Uh, going off of the advice you'd give Panzer and the advice the previous generation of wrestlers have given you, it might be hitting the nail too much on the head right now, but what other advice can you give um, younger wrestlers out there who are listening to this? Like, What's the one important piece of advice they can take away? The most important piece of advice is uh, time is everything. And patience in pro wrestling is absolutely necessary. Especially in a place like here in mm -hmm. the Philippines, same as Australia, where it's growing. You can have a big show and be like, okay, this is awesome, let's do that all the time. But it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. It's not possible. So you need to know that there's a time and place for everything. And then sometimes you have to be patient. I remember they got to a point in my career probably about five years ago where I felt I was the best I've ever been in the ring. I was in great shape. I was uh, having the best performances and matches. And I was like, why, why is this still not happening for me? Why am I still not being the guy that people are talking about? Why am I not working every show in this country? Why, why is this happening? And I just had to be patient. I just had to wait for the right time and for the right things to happen and the right you know, blocks to be in place. So you just need to be patient because if you are passionate, if you work hard and you drive and collectively you have to work as a team and a family. That's something that we've cultivated in PWA in Sydney is that if one of us succeeds, we all succeed. We're all happy for the single person's success because it brings us all up. 
So as long as people work that way as a team, as a group, as a family, then wrestling will come leaps and bounds no matter where you are. Okay. Uh, you mentioned family in the wrestling context. Now, that's just, uh, it's just a small shift because I know this is your Filipino debut and you do have a lot of family coming to the show. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to have them in the audience? And this is, for some of them, it's the first time? A or majority for, of them. Majority yeah, of them. It's it'll, the first be, time. it'll be the first time. My dad, who's uh, Australian, but living here in uh, the Philippines, he's seen me a couple times, but not, not for a long time. Okay. And then uh, my cousins that are coming, it's going to be their absolute first time, besides any videos they've seen on things like YouTube and stuff like that. So this is going to be really cool because their expectation could be something completely different to what my family back home in Australia would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my Australian side of the family, I don't have a large family. It's pretty small. So my Filipino side of the family is the larger part. So let's say this isn't the last time that I come to PWR. <gasps> hey! Fingers crossed, hopeful thinking. Bust in, bust in. I mean, no, I mean, it's, 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 live, it's live on Facebook. We can't edit that out. Yeah, yeah, can't edit that I'm out. not guaranteeing anything, guys. I'm just saying, let's hope let's this hope, isn't the last time. Bust in, you know what to do. Now, I have to ask this. Uh, what's been the reaction from your family, both the Filipino side and the Australian side, when I you decided say, to make this a career? Can I just say the next time he comes, he can Yes, I will not schedule an embassy day all for All right, it. Chino, all right. Yeah. Relax, Stop buddy. bitching, Chino. He okay. doesn't want to pick me up from Makati again. Yeah, I know. too far, man. No, because I I live in Makati. That's you live two minutes away from okay. where you were staying. Okay, guys, it's stop bitching. Stop fighting. See, I don't go. understand Tagalog and I understood that. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's go. But uh, so you're asking about my yeah, family's family reaction. Yeah. Family Look, uh, my dad is a realist. So when I told him, hey, I want to do this and train and live it and do it properly, he was very much like, you know, son, people that go into the music industry, they could be the greatest musician, but are they going to be the next Elvis Presley or are they going to be the next this person? Probably not. There are a lot of people that are just as good, but it just doesn't happen for them. Um, and my mom was supportive, but not supportive because she doesn't like wrestling because she thinks I'm just constantly getting hurt, which is not That's not most true. mothers. That's most mothers. Yeah, especially Filipino mothers. Yeah. Very protective. But she let me do what I wanted to do. Um, as a teenager, I got in trouble a little bit. So she started, um, I think, loosening the reins a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister's always been very supportive. She's actually uh, my brother-in-law. So my uh, my sister's husband was my training partner when we first started training at PWA. We, we started training together. He had an injury in the first year um, in a pretty big match for us that kind of devastated both of us. And it basically took him out of wrestling yeah but he's still been supportive the whole time so he's he's one of the guys that always watches my new japan matches whenever i'm away from home and um yeah everyone's been very supportive uh i think my filipino side haven't understood it as much but hopefully now after this weekend's show it becomes a bit of a tidal wave effect so if we have you know three of my cousins at the show this time then maybe the next time i come there'll be six more of my family members with them so hey who knows maybe they can be fixtures at pwr shows if they get hooked they get hooked right and some of them are local to makati so it could be their new thing to do on sunday on family day there you go as we wind down here, uh, I, I know that you've met a tiny group of the PWR family at this point, but um, from the small interactions you've had with us, what would you share as a piece of advice for the company or for the people you've met, you know, just so we um, continue to grow as PWR? Uh, just work together. Uh, same thing I just said, like raise everyone up. If someone's not you know, performing to the same level of everyone else, that's okay. That's just their pace. That's their thats their ride, you know. Let them ride that ride. But bring them up as well. If there's something you can teach them, then teach them and grow as a group. So the way we like to look at wrestling and the way I've been taught it is it's always, okay, what comes first? Well, the promotion comes first. So the whole group. And then it's the show. Then it's the match. Then it's your opponent. Then it's you. Right. That's that's the hierarchy of how it should work. Yeah. So whenever you're thinking about what you're doing, okay, how does this benefit the promotion? Because ultimately, if the promotion stops to exist, you don't wrestle anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, how does this benefit the show? How can I make this show exciting, good, whatever it needs to be, and make people want to come back to the next one? Okay, how does this benefit the match? How does our match play that part on the show? And then it just keeps trickling down. So as long as everyone understands their position. Like I was saying, not every match needs to be the main event match because there's a main event for the reason. Let it build to that. Play your part, train as hard as you can, seek out the advice from whoever you can and uh, take any opportunity that you can as well. But grow grow as a group. And, you know, 
uh, after my experiences, I've only been here a little bit, but I'd love to just keep helping as much as possible. So if I can be a lifeline for any of the guys, if they ever want to throw a message or have me watch a match and ask them to critique it, it's something that I do back home as well. So I'd love to be able to do that for the guys here. I think I, I, I can speak for everyone when I say you're always welcome here. And we want to thank you for sharing your time with us, all those insights, those stories. So uh, Robbie, where can people follow you in case they want to get in touch with you? If, if they want to uh, get your merch, for example, you know, uh, whether you're in the Philippines or abroad, where can they follow you? Uh, the easiest would be to find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Robbie Eagles underscore R-O-B-B-I-E-E-A-G-L-E-S underscore. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. Just Robbie Eagles, pretty much the first one that comes up. Uh, and if you want to email me about, you know, I'd, I'd love to come to birthday parties in the Philippines hey, or whatever, hey, hey, whatever hey, other special bring events. Bring the Jollibee spaghetti. If Jollibee want to do a, uh, a cross promotion or a special event with me as like a life-size mascot of myself, <laughs> then uh, hit me up on my email, RobbieEaglesPro at gmail.com. Anthony, you, you know what to do. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Robbie Eagles, you can catch him this Sunday at PWR Love at First Fight. He takes on Chris Panzer in the main event for the PWR Championship. Robbie, thank you so much again. Thank you, guys. All right, and uh, we also have to thank everybody who uh, sent in your questions over on the Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast. We're going to catch you on our next episode next week when Chino reviews Love at First Fight. Robbie, we're looking forward to uh, having you at the show this Sunday. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Ro Moran, Raf Gamas, and Chino Liao, and Babyface producer Ryan, my name is Stan C. This episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, I've lost count because I've been out for a while, is in the books. So <laughs> we're out of here. 322. And 322. 322, and we, and we have to have you on for your Tales from Japan episode. Yeah, that's next week. Now. That's next week. Yeah, that's All right. We brought Ty on the show, guys. Good All job. Right. All right. Peace. We're out of here. Peace out. Bye-bye. Pew, pew, pew.